Um, so we're live. Yeah. July 8th. And it was a tough market yesterday. I mean, with the way things have been going lately, all it takes is a little bit of rain and it feels like the entire world is going to end. So that's what happened yesterday. First day that the NASDAQ was red in what seems like months. So I like to remind myself that those dips are just part of the process and they're, if anything, healthy. But then once they start to happen, you can't help but think to yourself, is this the beginning of a epic downturn? So what uh, I know, Bob, we both are short plug. I closed out of my shorts at nine and then reopened them at around 9.35. So I'm opening up the portfolio today and plug, you know, looks set to pop, but hopefully that's only short term. And as soon as the market opens, it starts to go down again. What, what are you looking at? Yeah, I mean, that whole group is just continuing to get rampant speculation. Um, for the last month, plug is up about almost 100%. And the other stocks, I think, are up more. <laughs> NIO, Nicola, what's the other one? I don't know. There's a few of them in that group. Fastly. Yeah. I mean, these things are overvalued without any question in my mind, but that can continue for a long time. And um, one thing I always look at is the 50-day and how much above – the 50-day a stock gets. And a rule of thumb is if it's above 40% above the 50-day, it's overbought in a big way. And uh, I think the 50-day on plug is somewhere around five and a quarter. So <laughs> plenty of room for the downside. Definitely. It's still well scary. When and what are, you looking, what are you looking at for the market to do today? Like, what, what, what are you looking at? Well, you know, I think it was overdone. It seemed like Monday and Tuesday were kind of, you know, what did we, what did we get from the two days? Nothing. So we're kind of the, where we were on Friday. The banks continue to get absolutely destroyed. Somebody came out today and recommended um, some of them, Goldman, uh, J.P. Morgan, uh, and Citibank, and they, they had a neutral on Bank America. I still say you can't get this market to go up unless the banks are participating. All the earnings are coming out in the next few weeks, and I think the market's anticipating, uh, you know, tough quarters. So maybe that'll be in it by the time they come out. The other names, you know, the NASDAQ, which has got a mind of its own, at any time could have a 10% correction. Just no one knows when or why. Um, Apple, there was a piece out, Warren Buffett's company owns, I think $91 billion worth of Apple. 43% of his entire portfolio. That's insane. Yeah. So I don't know if that's why Apple is up today. But it did make a new high yesterday and then faded like a lot of the names. Microsoft did the same thing. Amazon, I think, at one point was up and it closed down. So the, these stocks are definitely getting to levels where people are, uh, 
not just running in. They're, yeah, thinking, they're thinking about it and then running in. <laughs> <laughs> Even Tesla looks like it's having a tough time breaking through that 1400 mark. It'll be interesting to see if that proves us a level of resistance where that that's kind of the end of that run. Yeah. And it sounds like Walmart has made, you know, Walmart had a huge day yesterday. I don't know if you looked at that at all. So, yeah. I think that they announced that they were coming out with their own version of Amazon prime. Yeah. And that's going to affect Amazon to a certain extent and uh, target. Um, maybe the trade is to buy Walmart and short Amazon and sit back. I don't know. It's a dangerous trade. To, to add to what you were saying about the earnings, I almost think that the banks and some of the other sectors away from technology have perhaps put themselves in a position where they've set themselves up where the expectations are really low. Yeah. And maybe the earnings will actually, like I know everyone's expecting that the earnings are going to be terrible this quarter, but maybe they're not as terrible as what some of these banks and some of these other companies were anticipating a quarter ago and maybe that will actually send the market higher and it's almost the opposite where it's with technology where companies like amazon perfection is built in at this point and there's no doubt that i'm sure their growth has exploded over the last quarter mm -hmm. i think the question will be about profits and was the growth as big as what it needs to be to support the levels it's at it's almost like no matter what when those companies report there's going to be a sell-off just because they can't report anything that's going to make everybody happy just because of the tremendous run they've had. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. And, uh, you know, we talked about Facebook yesterday. I sold out the rest of my position. It had a nice rally into the day yesterday, made a new high, I think, and it closed down. And, you know, I, I feel good being out of it right now, and I feel the same way about Amazon. So you don't own either stock? I don't own either stock right now. Mm. Um, I do own booking, which is kind of the trade for the markets reopen, you know, everything reopening and people traveling again. So I'm a little nervous about that. But I talked about how Europe is really their big business and Europe's doing pretty well. Yeah, I saw somebody put Europe stocks in an overweight position and kind of downgraded United States equity stocks. Yeah. Just that, that they thought Europe stocks would outperform just because the cases are going down there and the stimulus that's going on there and just everything happening. Well, it's not an election year there is really what that is. And, you know, we, I, I had mentioned earlier some of the European banks that have, they're acting better than the U.S. banks, uh, Credit Suisse, um, UBS, all those names are doing better than the U.S. banks. So it makes sense, that trade. What about yeah. you, Mike? Yeah, Mike. Night, Mike. What? How was your night? My night? Yeah. Like any other night. <laughs> <laughs> what are you looking at today, Mike? I know yesterday we talked about DraftKings and Penn a little bit, and I think tonight – MLS has its first game. Obviously, there's not going to be any fans in the stadium, but at least that's the first sign of sports coming back. Penn's interesting because, Dad, they've kind of worked their way down to the level where you originally said that you thought they were starting to look interesting. 
No, those, those are going to start popping again because I've had kids that have no idea what they're doing texting me all scared now about those stocks. That's when I know they're about to go on a run again because I have certain people I know that are just schmucks where they jump in things on. Well, hopefully they're not watching us. They don't. I mean, I'm not mentioning names. Here, but <laughs> when a certain person texts me about Penn and DraftKings, I know we're about to hit a run because he's the cooler and it is what it is. Like he'll text me being all scared about DraftKings and then it'll skyrocket. So I got a text at midnight from this kid and now I'm pumped because he's been so spot on with the exact opposite every single time with every stock. So I'm, I'm very bullish. I, you know my thoughts on that. I should have shorted those stocks three weeks ago, which I predicted this would happen. We're going to see athletes not getting sick from being back on the field. And when that happens, things should be fine. It almost seems like even if athletes do get sick, they're still going to have the games. Like you look at golf and a couple of the players got sick at the event a couple of weeks ago and they're not pumping the brakes at all. Those players won't play until they're feeling well, better. Well, yeah, they'll still have the games, but I think that'll lead to if they do get sick, we'll see more short-term volatility with those stocks. What happens if a golfer gets sick after the third round and he's leading? I mean, I think he would probably try and just man up and make it happen and get out I mean, there. Does that mean he's getting everyone else sick or does he have to get tested? I don't, I don't really know how they're doing it. All I know is. I mean, what happens if you bet on that guy, you know, and. I, I'm, I'm assuming the money's <laughs> gone, but I know that, uh, a couple players did get sick at the event a few weeks ago in South Carolina, and they've had two more events since. So to me, you probably have betting on, you could bet on which player is going to get sick <laughs> at 150 to one. So dad, you were originally saying you thought Penn looked like a buy at around what? 2750. Yeah. I mean, let's take a look at Penn again. Um, I'm going to pull up their chart right now. Penn is coming down to the 50 day, which is 2694, but it doesn't have to get there. I mean, there's support at 27 and a half. That would be a decent level to get in. Uh, you know, if you don't have a position and you're thinking about getting one, that's a good starting point. 27 and a half. Uh, yeah, but there's also a chance it could go down to the 50 day, which is 20 say 27 and I would expect that it would bounce off that. There's a chance it goes down to five. I mean, who the hell knows? Unlikely. Yeah. I mean, it went down to under four at the heart of the pandemic, but since then Penn has 85% of their properties open. I mean, things are flying high for them. So not yeah, to I'd like to know, you know, they have this uh, app coming out in the third quarter, right? Has there been any conversation about that at all? Because that, to me, is a huge part of their future. Is There's been a minor conversation about it. What I will say is the way that I know Barstool Sports, not only is that app going to come out, but it, it's going to be a success. They're not going to have a hard time getting their entire loyal fan base using their platform for sports betting. And I see it being, it'll be interesting to see because it's almost like competition for DraftKings because you'll have 
you know, they'll do their own contests. They have the biggest sports podcast in the world. They have the biggest golf podcast in the world. They have the biggest hockey podcast. Like they have all these different podcasts for all the different sectors and each one has their own loyal following. So I still think, and it's a lot harder to say this with the way Penn's been acting, but you could almost say it with more conviction that Wall Street has no idea what Barstool is really about. And they look at Barstool as Portnoy. And because of that, they probably undervalue it. And think like, let's be real. Barstool could only be valued so high because of one guy, when in reality, it's so much more than that. And I, I still think that Barstool alone is worth more than the entire Penn market cap right now. And that's why I love the company long term. And I feel like that's getting lost in the narrative. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I just pulled up a, a three-year chart on Penn and it's basically done nothing in three years. <laughs> with everything that's gone on, it's in the same place it was back in, uh, you know, 2017. That's crazy. Yeah, and there was a, a time in 2000, I guess, is this 18 or 17? Maybe the beginning of 2018 where the company lost $3.40 a share. And at that point, it went down to about 25 and three quarters. And it lost five dollars and twenty six cents a share when it went down to four dollars, you know, in the recent times. So yeah. it's just I, crazy how. Um, no, it's interesting to, when you look at that chart, too, because you're basically pointing out that Penn is right around where their average has been over the last three years, which was before they made that barstool acquisition. Right. Exactly. So based on that, it's you know it's tough to not like them a lot at these levels. What's the what's the bear case for Penn other than this huge line up basically from four all the way to thirty seven? The bear case is they have a lot of competition from the hard, you know, casinos like M MGM and um, Las Vegas Sands, and people really just want to go back to the those casinos again but i don't know. i don't see it i don't look at that as a bear case at all i think yeah. that's older generation versus young generation and you won't see most young people going but, to you know the, the other side of it is these casinos and they have a lot of casinos are going to have a really tough time making money with all the rules and regulations way easier to make a, a quick bet on an app yeah, but that's only part of their business. So, you know, that could be why DraftKings is a better play in the long term than Penn, unless this app really takes away from DraftKings. Well, there's no brick and mortar with DraftKings, right? Right. Yeah, that's huge. And DraftKings already has the a huge user base. I mean, yeah. Penn's in an uphill battle against DraftKings when they release that app. Yeah. I mean, maybe there's synergy between the two companies. Maybe there'll be a merger. Who knows? Exactly. Dad, I, I, I see that happening at some point. When you think about those demographics for both of those, they'll probably end up as one company. It would make sense. Maybe uh, Penn even sells off Barstool to DraftKings. Who knows? Dad, at what point are you looking at Penn and getting a little worried that the stock wants to just continue this irrational run higher? Uh, you know, I don't know. You mean like, plug? 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. Do, you have, do you have a stop? Do you have a stop loss on your short at all? Well, I feel like uh, you know you got to give it a shot at ten if it goes back up there, and um, it may. It, it definitely may. It might yeah. have trouble getting through this whole 980, 985 level. Yeah. But if, if it goes to ten, I mean. Who knows what the hell could happen? A lot of it probably depends on what the market in general does. So what are your guys' thoughts on Disney? I thought it was pretty – I loved that they came out and, you know, against what some of their employees were demanding. They're sticking to their timeline with reopening. I think they're opening in a week. Their park in Florida in light of, you know, everything going on with the coronavirus. I'm sure they're going to have all sorts of restrictions going on. But is that a sell the news type of situation or what, what are you guys thinking about? I'm Disney? not touching that stock. I would wait until the dust settles on all this media manipulation with the election before getting in Disney stock. Cause I think it, it correlates to politics more than most stocks out there right now. So I, I don't like that at all until uh, 2021. I think the chart the chart looks okay. I think you can make a run to 127 and still not be in a great uptrend. Um, so I think there's room on the upside. If the opening doesn't go well, obviously it's going to get hit. Are they, I, I money, at, are they making money on this MBA deal? Having everything in Disney? Do you know how that works? I don't, but I, I know the Disney Plus thing was blowing up, and I can't help but just think yeah. back to when the stock was trading around 160 a share, and I thought to myself, like, damn, this was so obvious. I should have bought some when it was hovering around 100 for the longest time, and you know, here we are again. It's obviously above 100, but if you're looking at Disney long term, I mean, it's tough to not look at this as a great entry. Point. Yeah, I, I think if you're building a, a portfolio like we talk about sometimes, this is a great stock to put in it as one of the core holdings. I mean, this is a, a company that if they ever get a vaccine, people are gonna flock to the uh, parks. Their kids are, you know, they gotta do stuff. Well, yeah, that's why I was saying wait till after the election and that thing will pop naturally. Well, well, things happened before. I mean, if I, you, I'd be shocked if that news came I out. Mean, based on what dad's saying, it's the type of stock you want to own before there's news of a vaccine because then it's kind of too late. Yeah, you exactly. Could, that's why I would wait till like November. Yeah, but, you know, you could wait and you might pick it up cheaper, but there's a good chance it's trading at 130 by then. You know, you just... If you're starting a portfolio, there's nothing wrong with buying a little Disney. Definitely. A question someone threw out yesterday that I'm just going to throw to you, even though I kind of already answered it a little in a comment. But if someone's never been in the market before and they're looking at right now as possibly the first time that they're going to buy stock and a first level entry point, and their question was basically, is now a good time to get in? My answer was basically, you know, something that you always taught us was throw a little in now and just slowly yeah. add to it over time. That way you're not trying to time the ups and downs of the markets. Do you want to comment on that? Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think um, if you're going to put in, let's say, just use a number, $10,000, I wouldn't put more than 2000 in and spread it out over the next uh, six months, you know, something in that order. And it really is rolling the dice on timing. 
So you're, the best thing you could do is spread it out over time and then slowly add, not put everything in at once. You know, once if you get more money, I would do the same thing again. And, you know, probably the best investing is just taking a small amount of money and putting it in the market each month. Yeah, let me ask you, when you, uh, and I know you don't necessarily like day trade as much as you maybe used to, but what, talk about the strategy a little when you're trying to ride out a position and obviously take profits on the way up, but is there a point where X amount of the position you let ride almost until it comes back to even just in case you're not missing out on some insane pop. Like how, how do you kind of go about scaling back on a position once you have it open for a day or a swing trade? Yeah. I mean, you got to make a decision on, okay, do you still believe in the stock or not? And that's all personal. Um, one thing I was taught early on and it's the hardest thing to do is if you don't trade, you got to have a, an idea in your head. Do you like a stock or do you don't like a stock? And if you don't like a stock, you sell. And if you like it, you buy more. So that's the way to always play it. So if you're in a stock and you're stuck, you got to say to yourself, do I want to buy more here? And if the answer is no, then you should sell some. I like that. That's uh, yeah. a good Good way the to work. thing to do is not do any. If you do nothing, then you know you. When are you asking yourself that question again? Well, let's say you're like Pinterest, for example. Let's say you're trying to ride a day trade with Pinterest, and you mm -hmm. see it breaking through those twenty six, twenty five levels, which shows that it's kind of in breakout mode. And let's say you then buy it, and you're looking for the pop, and it, and you're right, it starts to pop. Mm -hmm. What levels are you looking at? Maybe the first one's 2650, maybe the next one's 27, and you're maybe selling 25% on the way up. Is there a point, though, where you're leaving like 15% of the position to ride up until it's done? Until yeah, it's that, that's a good strategy, but you got to come up with your own strategy and stick with it and not change it that much. Gotcha. If you are changing it, then you're all over the place. You want to have things in mind. Like if you own, 5,000 shares, are you selling it a thousand at a time? You're selling half of it, you're selling all of it. You got to make that decision kind of when you get in a stock on how you want to sell it. And yeah, it's something I've been trying to figure out is really like the final bit of the position because I used to have a price in mind and then once it hit, I would sell it all. But now I'm trying to do it a little different where I'll sell part of it when it gets up and then part of it when it gets even higher. Right. And, but I almost feel like the final bit of it, I maybe sometimes don't let ride out as much as it could. And that's where I'm trying to figure out like, is a good strategy to almost let 10% of the position possibly get back to just even by letting it ride. So you're not missing out on a potential huge gain. At the yeah. I think that's a good strategy and it's also good if you keep a small amount, so you're following the stock. If you don't own any amount of a stock, then you're not following it as closely as if you owned it. You know, you wanna be keeping an eye on the names that you're trading. And the best way to do that is to always have a position. As soon as yeah. you don't have a position, you stop watching that stock. So let me ask you, I uh, pull up 
L-I-V-X. I know I brought them up yesterday. I actually ended up just based on what their stock was doing for the day. I opened up a short at around 455, I believe it was. And right now it looks like it's going to open somewhere around like 434. What are the levels that you're looking at when you look at the stock of where you would look to possibly cover the short? I was originally thinking like 420. But I'm wondering. Yeah. Well, there is some support at uh, 442, which is already below that. Yeah, so that becomes the new um, resistance. And 426. This is only going back a day, so let's go back further. I don't love shorting this that much because I, I know I talked about this yesterday. This seems like a stock that's one of these weird momentum names that might just start popping for, I don't want to say no rhyme or reason. I mean, it yeah. seems like they are kind of up to some interesting things. I was looking back, they've gotten some upgrades to the levels between, you know, 450 and $8 over the last year. So I'm, I'm kind of actually looking to close this sooner rather than later. I, I mean, 417 is an area. If you go back uh, a few weeks, 416, 417, and then 425 if it gets to that. And yeah. Try and not be greedy about this. This looks like, uh, you know, it's in a total breakout mode. So you got to be cautious. Even though it's down pre market. And yeah. Looked like it was kind of starting to be done breaking out. But I know what you mean. I kind of think the stock is still going to explode way more. You know, it kind of looks like plug. A lot of these names look the same. Looks too much like Club for my liking. <laughs> Plug has more downside potential, but you know, if it makes a new high, then it could go to twelve. Who knows? This was a stock when I was looking at the one-year chart. It looked like it was starting to have like an exciting moving day average, where I think it possibly has room to really, really break out and like go up a hundred percent from here. Whereas Plug seemed like it was the complete opposite, where it's just done going up for the most part. Yeah, it's it, these things are hard. Mike, you doing anything today? I want to buy way more Beyond Meat. I'm gonna. I, I own a bit of it. I I think that's my long term bull right now, and I need to get back in Zillow after having lunch with Leon yesterday, but I need to see some sort of pullback on that stock before going ham on it again. So I bought more car yesterday. I sold my Harley Davidson off for a nice profit. And uh, yeah, you know, just, I got, just been kind of reallocating some positions. I sold a little Amazon yesterday, uh, you know, a couple hundred grand in margin right now. And I haven't been shorting any stocks because I just don't really trust the atmosphere with that at the moment with all these idiots pumping and dumping. Yeah. I mean, you were saying yesterday too that shorting stocks just not something you even like doing. So, no, because it, it's not how my mind works. So, if I start shorting stocks, I'm starting until we sell our business, I'm not shorting stocks. The day we're out of food delivery, I'll change my tune on that. But, it's I also want to make it clear, like when I short a stock, I'm not trying to bet against a company or bet that a company fails or anything like that. It's more of a, it's more of the psychology of watching something go down. I have no interest in that. 
I, yeah, no, I mean, I hear you. And just, uh, you know, when you short a stock, there's been people that have been texting me about it. And I think there's a misconception. Basically, what you're doing when you're shorting a stock, I'm not telling you this, I'm telling our viewers, is you're borrowing shares to sell to then buy back at a lower price to return to the lender. So it's not like there's some specific number where you're shorting it, hoping it gets to this. It's essentially the complete opposite of owning a stock where your gains come from the stock going down. If it goes down 1%, you're up 1%. If it goes down 10%, you're up 10%. And then eventually you have to buy stock back at the lower price, hand it over to you know your broker that lent you the shares to begin with. So like an example is shorting plug at let's say if you short plug at $10 and if you cover that short at 950, that's 50 cent gain per share. And depending on how many shares you have. So it's, uh, it's yeah, I'm, I'm just reading, there is news on plug that the, um, the CEO is being interviewed on, uh, and Zynga's pre-market. So that's one of the reasons it's moving higher. You know, they're really pushing up. You know, all I know is yesterday, Genius Brands had their big interview that they had been talking about for months, and their stock sold off hard on the news because they said nothing in the interview except, you know, so. Well, this guy, I think he was interviewed at uh, 8.30 Eastern time. So I think the stock has run up in the last 20 minutes. I'm sure it's off of that. Are, are, are you're holding strong with your short? For now, yeah. All right. Well, yeah. my uh, my move of the day is hopefully to cover this LIVX short and hopefully see plug go back down so I can eventually cover that short. And you know that those are my two moves that I just tied over from overnight last night. If Penn gets down to under 28, I'm probably going to buy more, even though I already own way more than I want to. But I, I feel like I lost by buying at the wrong time. And I want to try and pump it up in my own mind. And same with DraftKings. If it gets down to like that 30 level, I might pounce on that too, because those stocks just, if they can get back into bull mode, who knows? So that's what I'm doing today. Well, they will at some point or the world's going to be over people aren't going to stop gambling unless they're dead. So it's very cut and dry. That's why those are all great, like life insurance policies. If you see them go to shit, we won't be around to see it. Larry Kudlow is on CNBC right now. Well, that's always good for a neutral. <laughs> I don't buy right. into any of these. He says, he says nothing positive. I mean, nothing negative ever. So Yeah. The stock market reads right through that guy's bullshit now, though, at this point. So... Yeah. When he comes on TV, it's almost like a cry for help, in my opinion. You can almost see the strings attached to his shoulder. <laughs> I do think, though, guys, for our viewers, Beyond Meat, B-Y-N-D, if you want to get in a stock that's going to go to the moon in the next decade, this is going to be your best chance. It just got unleashed in China to the elites there, to the women, to the wives of all the people with cash out there, and it's... From what I've gathered personally, it tastes good enough and the ingredients check out I, I, and where the environment's heading. This is a no brainer. So get on this before it turns into an Amazon because it's going to. All right. I like it. We'll talk to you guys. See ya. Bye.